you know what time it is. Smash the like button and hit and subscribe and smash and smash and like and bike and rike. I was thinking about introductions to uh, speak about in this, but I, I remember how annoying YouTubes are when they're like, hit the smash button. Hey, hello guys, it's Graham here. Uh, today we're going to talk about... It's just one minute to two minutes of introduction, and I just skip those videos. Uh, yeah, that's a hack for YouTube. Uh, just skip the first two minutes of every video, and you'll you'll get right through to the point that you want to get to. So now, ooh la la, let's get on with the podcast. I've been thinking a lot about this particular idea, and I'm being afraid to speak about it because it could t be taken the wrong way. It could be quite a crime to induce. Uh, but this is the idea of violent pro protests versus peaceful protests. Now, I don't really did too much research on it, so think about that. But in my opinion, it seems like violent protests uh, do a lot more change and quicker than peaceful ones. And I was looking exactly at the Russian war right now where Russia just started, um, how, I don't know what the word is, but when you get citizens, normal citizens, to go to the military, you just, oh, draft them, yeah. They started drafting men into the military. And uh, a lot of people didn't like that, of course, because you're going to go to another country to kill people who in the past were called brothers and sisters. So Ukrainians, uh, even by the president Putin, who a few years ago, Apparently, Ukrainians were brothers and sisters, and now they are the enemy. And so normal citizens are called to fight. But there were a lot of lies. Uh, first lie was that they were only going to draft young males with, and this is very important, with military experience. So some people that had gone to the military uh, prior, prior to that served some years, <clears throat> and they were just sort of like reserves. Those people were going to go and help with the war but what ended up happening of course is nothing like that because that's russia and it's always lies and you uh they would draft uh older people with no military experience at all or just any person with no experience and there were a lot of protests going on and some of them really made me laugh <laughs> they, they started protesting <laughs> by dancing in front of some important office uh and there was a video of just people dancing in circles and some traditional song and that's that's just dumb i feel did it work do you think it worked i don't think it worked if you're gonna go against um some officials that have a lot of power and they're sending people to die and kill you think some dancing is gonna stop them from oh you know what I was gonna send some, uh, I don't know, 10 people to go to the war, but just people started dancing in front of my office and I had to rethink it. I really thought about it again and something about that hip movement just made me realize that it's not worth sending these 10 people to war. No, they're just gonna be like, hey, cool, you guys stay dancing out there. It's really good weather right now, good exercise. Uh, keep doing what you gotta do and I'll just be in my office here, my strong, nice walls. Nothing is going to get through. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> Sorry, but it is. Peaceful protests. Do they work? Might be. I don't think so. It's very rare when they do. Um, 
On the other hand, you have this particular story of a man who... Oh, something's going on with my computer. Oh, there we go. Uh, a man who went into a recruiting center when they were where they were having all these uh, Russian young males uh, going to the process of registering for the war. And he went in there with a gun and shot. I don't know who he shot. I don't know if it was only officials. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he shot just normal people. But I didn't read too much into it. Um, but he just did the thing, right? Violent protest, singular men. They caught him. And he explained the reason why he did it. And he said uh, he was very angry because they drafted his best friend who had no military experience at all. And you got to remember that was a lie. They said only people with that experience will be drafted. So his best friend with no experience at all was drafted. This man, angry, got a gun, went into the recruiting center and shot some people in there. <clears throat> now, does that protest work? <laughs> it's violent. But in my opinion, I think uh, it works better than dancing in front of some building. <laughs> Which is, I tell you, it's a horrible idea to talk about because uh, it's pretty much criminal. I'm not advocating for uh, protesting violently. I'm just saying the protests that are peaceful versus the ones that are violent, there is a difference in which ones work faster. Um, let me think. Another example. Uh, Black Lives Matter, I believe. Uh, and George Floyd. Now, I don't remember very well who was protesting when this happened, but I do know that police brutality was a thing that has been protested peacefully for so many years in the U.S. Um, there's always been black men killed by cops in such an unjust way and and people with signs somewhere protesting their names. I remember there was a phrase like, remember these names, and there was a bunch of names that I don't remember because like, I don't know why they would do that. Uh, but you know in psychology we, we can only remember about seven items and it has to be in a really nice uh, way maybe it has to rhyme in your ear <clears throat> I don't know where, what that protest did really but then take for instance that time where uh, George Floyd he got killed by a cop who was laying for those who don't know, this cop was laying his knee on this man's neck and the man was uh, asking or pleading so many times to uh, just for the, for the knee to be, to be taken away or the grip. He was saying I couldn't breathe so many times. He gave multiple warnings and uh, nope, he died. And it was just an arrest for something minimal. Uh, cops are supposed to enforce laws not really kill people like that uh, unless you know specified details and violence and such but that was a huge thing that was like the last drop and it was also during a time of covid where everybody was indoors and scared of everything and follow rules well you know what happened if you were american or if you looked at american news during that time after he died there were so many protests and they were not peaceful. Mm -mm -mm. They were violent, really, really. They were uh, burning stores, breaking glass, stealing uh, stuff in the opportunity of it all. And uh, I even saw, you know, TikTok videos where some guy 
was looking through the window at the protest and he's like, yeah, guys, you go do it. And then they throw a rock at his glass. And he's like, bro, I'm in your team. What are you doing? It's so dumb. But uh, yeah, that's the, the bad thing of a violent protest. There's no, I'm in your team. Well, that happened. After so many of those protests. Oh, and they were burning police stations. And yeah, they were actually burning police stations and surrounding them with police inside. I remember one in particular. Uh, there was videos from both sides, from the outside news and then from the cops inside taking video of like what they're doing and how many rocks they're throwing in. You could feel that something was going to happen. Like those people could really fear the mob. And uh, what happened later? Well, they didn't take long until they started making changes, really. They were, uh, what do you call it? Uh, defund the police, unfortunately. Very, very dumb solution. Police need training, more training. Um, better at the same time and continuous training. And instead, what they did was just lower money. Although I don't know what the funding was used for in the first place but it was reduced <clears throat> and there was a solution pretty dumb less police was the solution but a change happened once those violent protests happened but uh, there was this peaceful protest nobody did anything it doesn't matter if there's people with signs outside your building you can just ignore it for a while a few days they're gonna go home they're gonna get hungry they need to work for money so but you have some violent people that go straight to where you work at, straight to the problem, and they do some stuff and they break things, and now you care. Well, that's the thing. Violent protests versus peaceful protests. In my opinion, violence seems to work faster, although the solution doesn't seem to be better. It seems like it's so fast they really can't think of a good solution. They just uh, used anything to please the crowd at that moment and the crowd doesn't know exactly what it wants it just wants anger and revenge driven by anger so that's a con a pro is that it works fast peaceful protests on the other hand they do provide I would say more time to think of solutions and the solutions seem to be better but they're so so slow and I want to have two examples for a slow protest uh, that worked well and I have no idea what it brought, but that was Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Gandhi is known as a nonviolent protest. Uh, it also, also tells you something about it, how crazy it was for a nonviolent protest to achieve something. I don't know very well. I'm, I think it was to expel the British from India uh, with a peaceful protest. But I'm not so sure what it was about. If you're interested, please go take a look at it. I'm just explaining the idea of it all. Gandhi nonviolent took a long time. I mean, he is well known until now. And that probably happened in the 1950s or 60s. And we still know about him. Then there is Martin Luther King, who I do know from his speeches that he quoted many years and multiple protests that achieved nothing or I would say just multiple protests I wouldn't say that they achieved nothing but they were relevant to him <sighs> and there were so many of them 
And then it was him giving us speeches to... <clears throat> I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know history at all. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> Martin Luther King wanted, actually. I just know that he had a dream where all people are equal. And that was a nice, beautiful speech. Well, I don't know what happened after his peaceful riots or whatever, if they were peaceful. I know that after he died, there were riots and they were violent. Just because I was doing a quick Googling how many riots were after he passed away. And it was something like 160 riots or more than and people were killed in them. But that's the thing. Uh, he There were so many protests before him and during him that didn't achieve much. And after he passed away, there were even more. But this time they were violent. Did they achieve something? Uh, by experience, I think they would. But I didn't uh, look into that. And this is why this podcast is interesting. I'm not doing any research whatsoever. <laughs> Just throwing ideas out there. Are violent protests more efficient than peaceful ones? What are the pros and cons of peaceful versus violent? I think violent achieve things quicker. Uh, the results may not be the best, though. Peaceful achieve things very slow, but the results may be better. However, I don't know if the peaceful ones are always listened to. Uh, it's so strange. So I was talking about the Russia thing where they drafted that person. And the government really didn't care until uh, some violent ones started happening. Oh, let's say about Hong Kong. When Hong Kong was taken, they were peaceful. Uh, there was just people marching, like so many people. If you look at the photos, they fill up the streets and they, they were moving from one street to another street, avoiding the cops until they couldn't anymore. And they were very well prepared to counter the gas bombs that the cops would throw. They would put them in this cylinder with water. I don't know what it was. They would just put it in this cylinder and suffocate the grenade and then when they open it all the gas was solid or like a goo they were uh, prepared with gas masks and and they were spray painting cameras so they wouldn't get their face recognized very smart protest but not violent really i didn't hear anything about broken stores or burning buildings or dead people um did anything happen out of it i don't think so a lot of people were arrested afterwards. <clears throat> and that's the thing also about uh, countries that are very authoritarian, like uh, China and Russia. Every time there's a protest in China or Russia that is peaceful, it's pretty much like a person saying, police, here I am, come arrest me. And the police go and say, well, thank you for making my job easier. <laughs> and they, they take him to the jail. In these countries, it's not allowed to protest whatsoever not peacefully at all, even um and every time there's a peaceful protest i already know what the outcome is your guys are going to go to jail i don't even know why you're doing it there's also the one recent in china where tanks started rolling in because the banks uh, didn't have the money for people like people would put money in there and then the bank invested it really wrong in um, making buildings that just nobody moved in and then when people realized this they went to get their savings from the bank and the bank said no you cannot take your money 
away from my building. And so a lot of people started uh, protesting. It's been going on for a while. And the last thing I saw maybe about a week ago was a video of tanks rolling in front of banks, in front of a multitude of people that was peacefully protesting. And there you go. <laughs> you peacefully protested they bring tanks. Do you see that? You come with peace and they come with missiles. Uh, I do see it. And I bet you after those tanks came in, a lot of people were arrested. I mean, it has to be logical that that would happen. And so I think, why would you even protest in this type of countries where if you do, they're going to take you? Violent protests versus peaceful one. Which one works? And why do not many people do violent protests? And that's also a very tough thing to do. Because when you do violent things, you do things that are against your nature and there will be a lot of consequences afterwards not only that but you do risk a more violent retaliation from the government you are protesting against so for example the china if they brought those tanks and the army and you're peacefully protesting uh, maybe no one gets shot maybe 1986 but if uh, it starts turning violent i bet you those tanks will shoot and those soldiers will shoot however there was a time in china where there was a peaceful protest by university students uh, China doesn't say that this happened, but it did. I think it was 1986 where tanks started rolling in and soldiers rolling in and it was a peaceful protest. And then the soldiers started shooting and the, uh, the students, it's called, it was a massacre, right? Uh, people that have guns versus people that don't have any. And let me just look it up right here as I stop this. And I'm back. It was actually 1989 Tiananmen square protest and massacre this happened uh is where you get the famous picture of the man standing in front of a tank and he is just holding like two grocery bags one in each hand and he's just looking at the tank and there's a video of him and the tank tries to move to the right side or left side tries to avoid him and then the man just moves <laughs> again right in front of the tank that's where he came from um but it, this is the thing right that's a that's an evil thing for a government to do, to shoot a peaceful protest. That I'm not so sure if it would happen here in America. I'm pretty sure it would, but you need a lot more, uh, I don't know, a lot more degrading of the law to happen. Uh, yep, and it is what it is. So in that Chinese aspect, would a violent act be better, violent protests be better than peaceful? And Russia... Would a violent protest be more efficient than dancing in front of uh, a building? <laughs> Only you know. Only you know. And then there was another protest in Canada, which was peaceful, but it hurt the money makers. It was a bunch of trailers, trailer drivers that stopped at a street or a highway. They just parked their trailers there. And I don't know how long it lasted, a week, between a week and a month. And it was very effective, actually. I would say it was peaceful. However, it was messing with their money because those trailers had stuff inside. And those people were also stopping a, a highway, which means, you know, slowing down other trailers from coming or going. And the government 
took out the big guns and froze their bank accounts of those protesters. It was either freezing their bank accounts or, uh, or stopping payments. It was something to do with, with something personal that a government shouldn't do. But they did. And eventually I didn't hear any more about that protest. There, was, there has been other protests in America on Amazon for union. And usually the solution for companies is to fire the union leader or fire the people that are organizing the unions. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, and there was another one in America that actually happened. Very violent. It was a back in the 1800s or 1900s. Somebody had a steel, I think it was a steel factory or maybe a train factory. And the workers uh, protested for a union or for better working hours, for better pay they stopped working they were outside the factory and what did they do well they called the military or it was just maybe not the military maybe it was just some type of uh like mafia you know some of those people that you hire under the table and they came with guns and shot at the protesters killing some i don't know if they killed all but i know they kill people it's an old thing that happened long ago and you would say well maybe back in the day there's no rules right you can't just hire somebody under the table a mafia and do, do your dirty job that still happens till today uh, maybe not by shooting but there's been theories that sometimes the government hires undercover people to infiltrate peaceful protests and then turn them violent as in inciting the people to destroy stuff or maybe they themselves the undercover people start throwing rocks and smashing cars, therefore turning it violent so that the police can finally interfere legally and start arresting people. Legally, let's say. So it's, it's a bit tricky, right? So people do protest peacefully and the government has some dirty tactics to get rid of them. And then under the, I don't know, info under the like saying that it's okay and legal very strange uh and i would personally don't think i would protest anything but i was talking about the point of where why is it so difficult to do a violent protest and that's just because there's good people usually that want something better for them and these people don't tend to be violent and they want things to be smooth i mean nobody wants problems uh, not even the government wants problems uh, so everybody tries their best to to do it peacefully and, and to follow as many laws as possible. And this is why it takes so long, because it's so easy to ignore people that are peaceful. So easy. You can just enter your building and they're gone. When changes starts happening is when the people start fearing for their lives. And every time they go to work, maybe they fear that a rock is going to be thrown at them or some assassin is going to be there. That's when things started changing fast or when it actually already happened. So going back to the Russian thing, after all those violent protests happened, well, just the one that I know, but I'm, I, I think more could have happened. The government started talking to the people. They were saying things like, oh, the, the people who were recruiting this, this uh, older man with no battle experience or young men with no 
military experience. These people who were doing this are wrong. I mean, they they don't know how to recruit or they are going against the law. They're going against whatever the president said. And we are, favorite word of every government, investigating them, <laughs> which means they're doing nothing about it. That's just something to, you know, make you feel nice that something is being done about. But it did, uh, they were saying something like the KGB is now investigating them or some organization that is like uh, the equivalent or FBI or CIA here in the U.S. Um, think whatever you want to think here. I don't know. I don't live in Russia. But I do know politics. Whenever something happens and they just want to please the crowd, they say some words, and it's just words. My opinion. But they did happen. And I don't think that would have happened if people were just peacefully dancing everywhere. And I love to use that example because that video really made me laugh. <laughs> it's like you really are dancing in front of a government that is sending your young people to kill and die. Like, like you know how much they don't care about that, right? There was also a peaceful protest a long time ago, a long time ago when the war was starting. And they were just holding a piece of paper, a piece of blank paper, absolutely nothing written on it. There was a video of it. And this person is just standing there, like looking right and left, and then just lifts this paper of nothing. And maybe like three seconds later, a cop comes walking really fast and just grabs this person and moves him away from the camera. And he gets arrested. And uh, the top comments of that video were something like, in Russia, there's a saying that you you don't need to write anything because the government already knows what is wrong with the government. <laughs> so as long as you hold up a blank sign, they already know what you're talking about. It's so dumb. Um, but it is it is the fact of countries like that where uh, peaceful protest is not even uh, capable of being done. Really strange. There was also in China, uh, I remember talking to someone about it and this person told me that if you want to peacefully protest there, anything, you first have to write down in a piece of paper, like a government form, exactly what you want to protest, where and what time, what day you want to protest. And then the government will, and listen here, either approve or not approve of your protest. And if it's approved, you can go ahead and protest during that time and such. If it's not approved, well, you, you know what happens. You, you don't do it. But doesn't that feel so weird to people that live in America, um, maybe other countries where you can protest at any time given? Like, you are asking permission to the government itself to protest against them. And then they give you permission for it. It's like, come on. <laughs> How many times do those forms get rejected is what I want to know because... I'm pretty sure they get rejected plenty of times. What's the equivalent of it? Maybe in school, if you if you have a a teacher, I don't know, and the teacher does something you don't like, and you go to the teacher and, and be like, uh, Mr. Teacher, can I um, tell the class that you're doing this wrong? And then you have like a paper. This is what you're doing wrong, and I'm going to tell the class tomorrow at uh, 3.30. Can I do it? And then the teacher is going to read it and be like, mm, no, I don't think I was wrong. 
uh, you are not approved to tell the class that how I taught was wrong. And you would be like, oh, thank you, teacher. I won't do it. Like, what is that? What is that? It just make, makes me laugh. Um, so it's very interesting. I got into this because I, lately I just have seen many types of protests going on on the internet. There were many before by history, like, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, Gandhi. Uh, before, I used to think peaceful protests were really efficient, but now I see so many peaceful protests uh, get shut down, and then I see many violent protests at least get an ear, which is so strange. For example, when that George Floyd protest happened and they were burning stuff and the government was quick to react and listen to the people, although they did a terrible solution, something was done, and I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys had plenty of time to think of a solution for this. These people gave you so many years and so many guy, uh, signs and peaceful signs to do something about police brutality. And it took you this to react. It took you people to burn police stations and burn buildings for you to react. In a way, it feels almost justified because they gave you plenty of warning. And when that man was killed while being arrested with a knee on his neck while he's saying, I can't breathe, that was the last drop of the people. They said, no more peaceful protests have not worked for many years. And I don't even think they were thinking about, well, let's do a violent one. I think they just had enough. And they went and let all that anger out. <clears throat> so it's very interesting. And then uh, I'm listening to a Russian YouTuber or podcaster. And he was talking about how protests in Russia, whenever they happen, there's blood. I think he meant as in Russians, when they protest, they protest violently. Um I don't know if countries like that are so scared of protests because of that. Like authoritative countries, maybe they're so scared because they have a history of violence. I don't know. I really don't know. You have China and then you have uh, Russia. That's an example. And that's what I wanted and felt like talking about today. <sighs> Just the positives or pros and cons of both types of protests. Now, there are actually a third one. Um, that I just glossed over, over, and that's the one with the trailers in Canada that stopped and it hurt their money. That was a peaceful one, but it was also one that interfered with, uh, I don't know, a lot of production or just just money, just money. And I think that's how maybe one of its own category, uh, one that hurts where it where it matters with while being peaceful and there was another one now that i think of it i think it was in in france some people were protesting i don't know exactly what something about the rich and these people were quite clever <laughs> and instead of protesting in front of some government building with signs or dancing around uh or unionize unionizing they went to a golf club for rich people and they put 
concrete into the holes. <laughs> and that, I think that is very funny, but very clever. And that move gave a lot of uh, ears to everybody. It was on the news or it was on the TikToks. It was on the, on the short videos on YouTube. Because of how clever he was too, and also something that everybody already knows, which is rich people most of the time are the ones that do golf courses. Uh, for example, there was a drought, I guess, somewhere in California. Uh, plants or grass is dying, something like that. And except golf courses, they have the best grass, the best lawn, green, as green gets. <laughs> and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Everybody has to hold how much water they use uh, according to the law. And we have to be aware of how much and at what time and what day. And golf courses are green as green. And also other like millionaires' homes that can't afford it. Oh, but they're like, wait a minute, but it's in against the law. And there was a lot of people commenting names of famous people that have green lawns during that time so back to the protest of the french they put this concrete it got all over the news of course it's easy to fix i mean it's just you make another hole you take that concrete out and then you put new dirt and grass easy to fix but quite inconvenient And it also messes up with how pretty the golf courses look. And maybe those people that go there try to ignore the news as much as they can until it happens to them right in front of their one favorite hobby. And then they're like, wait a minute, why are people entering this area? They're closer to me now than they were before. I mean, they're not in my building anymore. In front of it dancing, now they're plugging my holes. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I think those type of protests are very clever. Uh, you stop a trailer in the highway, hurt the money, uh, con put concrete on the golf courses, and uh, it hurts the rich people that go there. Because I don't think they just did it to any golf course. Same like when Russia started the war and there were a lot of, I don't know what you call them, sanctions? And at the same time, there were some stories going around that somebody was taking away their yachts. There was like some rich, rich, rich people, like old money called oligarchs. Now, I don't even know what these people are or what they do. All I know is that there were stories that their boats were being taken away. And uh, that is very strange. They, they were taken away by governments or by businesses and uh i gave me the thought that maybe that's like why <laughs> why there were so many so many sanctions that hurt things that are very mechanical like markets and strange things where you're just like well now this is gonna cost 15 more to haul it from here to there And uh, now this law doesn't let this person enter if this happens. Like very uh, complex things that nobody really understands unless you have to read a 10-page paper on how it works. Or take the yachts of rich people. 
that have power in the lawmaking of the country. Very strange. Whoever thought of that knows something on how protests actually work. Because that was more like a multi-government protest against another government. That was not the people uh, stealing yachts. That was governments. <laughs> and the governments know where it hurts. You know, they're giving you the solution right there. They know they the governments didn't send people to dance. I mean, I, I'm getting tired of using that example. But they didn't send people to protest with signs peacefully. No, they're just like, this boat, you like it? I like it too. It is mine now. <laughs> they know something. Uh, smart protesting, I think is what it, it goes to. Smart protesting versus silly protesting versus uh, very illegal protesting. And then you go into... There was a quote in, uh, in America. I gotta actually research it this time. I couldn't find it. But it's uh, a quote for the right to bear arms, <sighs> which, because uh, this happened after the revolution of America, the independence. And you think, well, maybe we should always do a peaceful protest. And this is tricky because even the U.S. did a violent protest long ago called the independence. Where, what happened? So there was this, this uh, colonies that wanted their... I don't know. It's very strange. It's just that you're supposed to be part of Britain, but then Britain sent their soldiers here, and then the soldiers were taking advantage of people, or in a way they felt, the people felt like they were being taken advantage of. I think people had to, like, welcome these soldiers into their homes and give them food, and, like, you had to by force, or you could be taken to jail. And then you were taxed without really knowing... Uh, just all of a sudden they were like, okay, now you have to pay more for this, right? We we all know that about taxation without representation and the, the tea party where they just throw all the tea out of the boats. That's like a peaceful protest. No, that's actually like the French people plugging concrete. No, that's actually like the Canadians putting the trailers on the highway and just just being there, stopping, because it hurts the money, right? So... The tea party was this time where the people just threw boxes of tea into this ocean from the British because they were fighting or protesting against a tax for tea. Very famous in history. Um, then there is the revolution where I do not understand what happened, but British soldiers, something they did, people didn't like it and they had enough and they went and fought. And it was a violent protest, let's let's face it. I mean, in, in a way. Revolution, of course. Uh, freedom fighters, I guess. <laughs> All these political words. And um, you know the history, America won. Then they made this uh, set of rules because they understood they were just coming out of a war, out of a tyrannical government. And so the first rule was a freedom to speech. And in that is also... A freedom to protest the freedom of religion and you know the rest but protest is there and then the very second thing after a protest was the amendment to bear arms where they were discussing that to be armed and to fight against a tyrannical government uh, is needed sometimes and that's what they happen right americans fighting the well they were not americans at that time i guess like 
fighting against the British, maybe British against the British. <laughs> and then they declare themselves as Americans. I don't know too much of the history, but essentially they were British in the beginning. British people coming to the U.S. and other people as well from other countries, I, I bet, and uh, making their life here. And then they expelled the British and, and they had the right to bear arms to go against the government. Something, there was a quote that I really wanted to look for, something along the lines of one man has the right to go against the law if it's tyrannical or such. It's, of course, a, a thing that it's, does not apply ever, ever, ever. Um, but it is there as in, uh, as in like an invisible or unspoken rule, pretty much, of human nature. Whenever people really had enough and they have, you know, the last drop, they will go berserk. As in George Floyd, they had the last drop, they went berserk. <clears throat> then there is the, the, okay, so I do want to, but this is something different. But this is a quote that I did find in the, in a quote for carrying arms by Jefferson. So the quote says, laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. This is a very famous thing that is going on today uh, whenever they talk about. But this, is, I think this is another topic. This is not protest. But I think it's a fun topic to talk about. Uh, the right to bear arms. I've heard it before. When you take uh, people... When you take their guns away or their right to have them, not their right, their, like they could do it uh, law, lawfully, like legally, you're only hurting good people because anybody who goes through the effort to do it legally is somebody who tries to follow the law and follow any other types of unwritten rules that are good. Because somebody who wants to do something illegal, like a criminal, uh, we'll always do criminal stuff regardless. <laughs> I've, I've heard so many jokes on that. Like uh, like those signs that say uh, gun-free zone. And then a criminal goes in there and he's like, dang it, I was about to shoot this place. But then I read the sign and I cannot, I just cannot bring my gun here. Dang it, I think they win. I think that... <laughs> It's like, no, criminals are going to do crime. They're going to do things that are illegal regardless. You try to stop people from owning guns. Uh, the, only the good people will not own them because they'll be like, okay, I'll listen. And only the bad ones will be like, woo, nobody's going to have a gun now. So if I get myself a gun, which maybe, maybe it's a little bit more difficult. But if I do get myself one, everybody's going to be my bitch. <laughs> it's like uh, like a government having a nuke, right? Uh, not everybody has apparently I, I i really doubt that but now countries that have nukes they're always talking to their little countries and be like you don't get nukes because because you don't okay you're gonna threaten me if you have them so i will have them and then i will just make a peaceful treaty with you to not have nukes and i will protect you if you give me in fact if you don't have any nukes or if you do and you give them to me please I will protect you from other people and other countries that want to invade you. Believe me, I have a lot of nukes. I just don't want you to have them. They, they make this type of treaties, uh, like peaceful ways of... Really strange, right? 
but it's the same uh, idea of only I don't know I, I get lost here because I was really thinking about that's what Russia did to Ukraine Russia took away the nukes of Ukraine in in order to I don't know to say I'm gonna I'm gonna be peaceful towards you and I'm gonna protect you from anybody who wants to invade you so please give me your nukes so we can do that uh, and they did and you know the story now now Russia is invading Ukraine is like come on bro come on <laughs> so this kind of feels like that too when when Jefferson says that disarming only those who are neither inclined or determined to commit crimes only hurts the people that are good well let me continue reading this such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the asylums. You know, makes things worse for those law-abiding people and makes it better for those criminals. They serve rather than in, than they serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides. You see, so it's encouraging more crimes, encouraging more killing. For an for an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence keyword on confidence than an arm man so that's the thing so if, if everybody is holding knives because they cannot have guns and then i am really good criminal mafia style and i managed to get myself only a pistol don't even have to be that much just like i don't even have to get a, a machine gun just a pistol and uh and everybody has a knife my dude <laughs> i win I'm gonna go there so confident that I'm gonna win any fight. It's like that joke of you brought a knife to a pistol fight, right? Is it like that? You brought fists to a knife fight? What is it like? It's a joke. But there's also this scene in the movie where it's like an old Western movie where there's like a cowboy, right? Cowboy have revolvers. And then there's this guy who has a sword, uh... And he, this guy with a sword is doing these really amazing tricks with it. Like he really mastered the arts of it. And he's doing like some really cool movements. <laughs> and he's like ready to fight. And there's a whole multitude of people just watching. And then this, this cowboy just takes out the revolver and shoots him. And he wins. <laughs> it's really, really funny. I think that you'll, you'll find it. So basically, the guy with the gun won with no... He didn't need to master 10 years of sword fighting uh, or maybe six years of ruthless use of the sword and muscles because you, you do have to train. I mean, if you're getting old, you know that you cannot just swing your arm without getting an arm ache. <laughs> you need to practice. <laughs> and uh, if you get it. If you're sick, you cannot be swinging your arm like that, like so strong to to cut stuff. Uh, but if you have a gun and you're sick, you can still kill. I mean, even a three-year-old with a gun can kill. He doesn't need five years of experience uh, using the gun. He can just be like, oh, what is this toy? Look, daddy. Say cheese. And he's dead. So, yeah, I, th I did go a whole new idea here which is right of to bear arms but it kind of felt interesting because there are countries that do not let their citizens have guns 
uh, like China is very strict with guns. And then you see tanks rolling in into their protesters. Uh, soldiers shooting at the university students peacefully. Well, peacefully shooting them. And then Russia. The man who went in there with a gun at the, at the recruitment center. That's also pretty hard to have guns in Russia. I don't think it's as hard as China. Uh, but it's still hard. It's still hard to, to do that. Um, and then... Australia, I think, took away the right to bear arms of the people about, I don't know, five years or ten years ago. But there is a pattern that whenever a government does not allow citizens to have guns, the government becomes very strict and push over to the people and very confident that it can push people around, just like this quote says. Uh, For an an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an R-man. That is very true. Even governments, like if you take man versus man, you can say government versus man, or maybe government versus government. That's also very interesting because the U.S. has so many guns in the citizens that a lot of countries, if they try to invade the U.S., it's not going to be easy at all. Like, not at all. Um, For example... There was a quote that I do want to tell you, even though I know it, but I want to look it up. Sort of found it. Uh, There's apparently debate, but it's a... During the war of Japan and the U.S. World War II, I I don't know if it was during that time, but it was a Japanese... um, Some military Japanese guy. Admiral Yamamoto. He said something along... The lines of invading the U.S. is a terrible idea because there's a gun behind every blade of grass. And, I mean, you know it's true. You don't even have to draft people into the military if somebody's invading you. Because, well, look at the what happened with Ukraine. When Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, I was following from the beginning, from the very first day that it happened. And it didn't take long, maybe less than two days, maybe less than three that Ukraine allowed the citizens to the right to bear arms. They didn't have the right, I guess, but all of a sudden it was legal for all citizens to have guns. And the government itself started giving guns away to the, to the Ukrainians. They started, yeah, just take all these guns. They started teaching the citizens how to do Molotovs, uh, how to make them more deadly and sticky. And sticky, of course, for tanks. And I would see videos of these people making them. Videos of uh, the government giving them guns. Uh, You know, to defend against an invasion. Because they knew the army was not going to be enough and you needed the citizens. Then then men were blocked from leaving. Everybody could leave, children and women. But young men could not. They had to stay and fight. I think there's an age or requirement, which I don't know, but... They were required to stay and fight. And the government the government was providing guns. And uh, Now, th- that takes time. To provide the citizens the guns takes time for the person to go from their house to their, to their place, to the government office. It takes time for the government to all of a sudden be like, oh, we're giving people guns? Uh, where, where, where do we have guns anyways? <laughs> and how do we give it to them? And, you know, all these things, all these questions. That takes time, uh, weeks, maybe days, uh, probably months, 
for everybody to have them and only in specific places i mean you gotta think of it trailers with guns have to move to where these people live or the people have to move where those guns are they have to travel uh if everybody had guns from the very start wherever those tanks or soldiers from russia would go in people would already be shooting at them already from the very beginning they would have slowed down the invasion it would already have been difficult but they don't so that's the thing about america after the revolution happened they decided for everybody to have guns for this very reason whenever you have somebody invading you uh everybody has the capability to defend themselves and i was talking about why is it so difficult to invade america Uh, well first we have an advantage to have the ocean around us and we also have the advantage that the neighbors of the u.s is mexico and uh, mexico and uh, canada they are friendly at the moment who knows in a thousand years (laughs) countries and laws always change of course Uh, but that's the thing Uh, the neighbors are friendly ukraine has a neighbor that is russia or yeah yeah russia which is not friendly and russia has a neighbor which is also not friendly china so even russia has to watch out for china Uh, europe has now now at the moment friendly neighbors but back in the world war ii they had germany (laughs) as you know not very friendly Uh, poor poland got the worst of it they had germany on one side and russia on the other so even worse they had two bad neighbors and they have really horrible history of massacres um the u.s doesn't have that he has good neighbors and only two by the way which is very important on the other side we do have bad ones like but you have to cross the ocean quite a lot to get there so that means an invasion is already slow to happen and when it does happen and they do land wherever they land there's going to be let's say quote-unquote soldiers already armed and ready to fight wherever they are so every step they take there's a gun behind every blade of grass every street they go they gotta watch out at every window because every window could have a gun as well pointing at them and the u.s has some crazy crazy uh guns like crazy (laughs) like really when you think about it what the citizens can own it can own uh well i don't know about armor piercing no yeah they can own armor piercing armor piercing bullets and type of guns that can shoot those 50 call at least texas you can own a 50 call sniper with bullet piercing this crazy texas is the most free when it comes to gun laws uh but I mean, you think anybody's going to invade? Nope. Nobody. And you got to watch out. There was a YouTube video that I watched really amazing of somebody who actually did research instead of me just talking. This person went through every historical period with the year, with the names, with the, I don't know, paperwork to show. (laughs) And he had these guns. It's an amazing video. Uh, Showing the generations of guns and how they evolved during the wars what gun was being used at what time period like the muskets and then to another better musket to another better musket to one that can shoot now 
maybe more bullets faster than to the and it goes to the revolver or to the uh first rifle which was uh the first rifle that could reload really fast the m1 grand that goes the ping and then it goes on and on to the first gun that could shoot really fast which was like uh machine guns and it goes to the wars of like m16 and ak-47 to guns that we have now and apparently the the one that is now the best for the military use is american uh ar-15 every every government has their own type of uh, gun that they use it's really interesting not only ar-15 is not the only one the french have one that is really really futuristic looking the italian too really nice and the british whenever you see those videos of the british army protecting the queen castle oh boy no i'm not talking about the guys wearing the red coat with a with a big hat no when you see actual soldiers guarding they have some futuristic machine guns <laughs> look really cool <clears throat> but uh this guy's point was that ah every time the american citizen was able to own a gun they always own military grade guns and they own the best of the line of military and most of the time they owned the best version of the military gun that was at that time so the military would get this musket right and the people could own that musket but improved which of course would cost a lot more right you know that the army always buys things a little cheaper because they have to buy buy it a thousand times i mean they, they got an army right they got a lot of people and they gotta buy them rifles and if they breaks they gotta buy them another rifle so they don't go exactly for the top of the top because <laughs> it would cost too much it would like instead of buying the top of the top and just give it to one soldier you can buy one that does the job and you can give it to three soldiers uh so that's the thing but he keeps showing the guns that the soldiers owned and the guns that the citizen could own and you could see and he would explain how better it would be the shooting range the the accuracy or the speed to reload something was always a little bit better for the citizens all the time all the time the citizens could always own army guns at the best musket out there which uh, he was debating the question of like well american citizens don't need an ar-15 because they don't need uh, a gun that is used for war because they're people they don't need this i mean the least thing they need is like an n1 grand this wooden stick that shoots about five bullets to hunt a wild boar or a deer like that's all the people really need something to hunt uh, they don't need this military stuff and he was debating that point with the history looking at it and saying wait a minute citizens always owned top of the line military guns always even when they own muskets it was the top of the line musket or the other phrase that people say well you know when they thought about the right to bear arms in the u.s they were referring to muskets uh, guns that would only shoot one time and you had to reload them for a whole minute and not guns that could shoot 50 times and then reload in five seconds of course because of the school shootings and mall shootings and that's a whole nother problem that america has terrible problem but the solution uh, that has been talked you know gun control and such and oh boy that's a whole political thing 
here I'm just explaining the, <laughs> the wonderful video this guy made, and he made some good points. And when they say, well, you know, Americans back in the day could own these muskets, uh, American citizens could own the best musket out there. <laughs> Not only, and they, I don't think they thought, you know, maybe one, one day these guns are going to shoot 50 times. They probably couldn't believe they even had a musket. They were just, God damn, what is this thing? You put this little powder that is black here, and then you put you stick this metal here, and it shoots. And this was the most powerful powerful thing um, at the time. And they were like, you know what? My grandma could own that. Why? Why is only Johnny at the military able to own this? I'm gonna give it to my son when he turns sixteen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they owned the best of the best back in the day. That was the best, and that was as far as technology went. And I bet you people were like, God damn. We turned the history of war at this very point. There's no way we can do better than this. This is it. <laughs> and everybody could own that. Um, there's another argument that I, it's quite fun to ponder. Should citizens, American citizens, be able to own a nuclear bomb? And uh, that, I think, it's far easier to say no. <laughs> I think that is just too easy to say, no, please, don't. You need really, really responsible people to own that. I think that's a debate that it's not even a debate, but it's just a fun question to ask, right? Should my grandma be able to own a uh, nuclear bomb? Mm. I mean, I don't think she's going to ever use it, right? <laughs> Should my four-year-old uh, be able to own a nuke? Or maybe should I be able to own one, but I have a four-year-old son who is near the red button of the nuke? Because that's what happens, right? People own uh, buy these guns, and then the children are the ones who uh, the adult misplaced in the house or hit it really bad, and the child got it and then shot. Boom. Also because they keep it loaded. Another thing to bear in mind. So imagine I have a nook and I have uh, my child is running around the room and what does this red button do? Blip. <laughs> it explodes the whole neighborhood. <laughs> and then the, the neighborhood next to it is like, ah, oh, god damn, I knew Jimmy was going to do that one day. Oh, good, goodbye, John. Uh, you were good, good neighbors. I liked you. <laughs> it's like, of course not. Nobody should be able to own them. Uh, I think that's more. Ah, that's a more easy argument. Also, because you always have crazy people, like literally crazy, or just criminals that, psychopaths, or you know, school shooters. On the other hand, like if a school shooter had a nuke, would he use the nuke? Well, goddamn, he would, of course. He would nuke the whole school. <laughs> so I think also citizens are not allowed to own grenades for that type of reason. They're so easy to use. And uh, they take a lot of people out, not able to own grenades. Uh, surprisingly, citizens are able to own body armor. That is very interesting. Uh, we're able to, in Texas, you're able to own a, almost like a turret. You, you definitely, because I was watching these videos of this guy who, I think his name is FPS Russia, was back in the day. He would always push the limit with what guns you could own in Texas. And one time he had a flamethrower. 
Then he had a minigun, which is that thing that spins in Terminator and shoots thousand bullets a second. <laughs> and then at one point he he owned an anti-air gun turret. It was really really crazy. It looked like from World War type of turret with the four cannons. Or maybe I can't remember clearly how many cannons it had. But the thing is that you literally sit on this gun. You can own a gun that you sit on. He has a chair. And he had a little controller that spins the whole thing around left and right. And then you shoot it. Like, god damn, people can own that legally. That's crazy. Now, that's just some interesting, uh, some interesting thing right there. How far can you go with owning <clears throat> things? Now, why did I go into this whole thing about owning nukes and <laughs> guns? I was talking about protest, actually. Peaceful versus violent. I don't know. Has no connection whatsoever. Well, it does a little bit. I think I was talking about governments versus, like, tyrannical governments versus people. Uh, versus governments versus governments. Uh, yeah, because Russia attacked Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine was a country that couldn't own guns for the citizens. As soon as it happened, everybody could own them. The government was like, let me teach you how to make Molotovs. Let me teach you how to use an AK. Because <laughs> you got to defend this place. And uh, in America, they tried to limit guns all the time because of what happens in... Uh, which, unfortunately, God, I mean, happens every day. Uh, school shootings. Uh, and then there's people that say, well, I mean, there's got to be a limit to the school shootings, but you cannot mess with this law because of the history that happened before as to why we need these types of guns. Uh, yeah, it's real strange. The the part where Americans cannot, uh, where the Americans have a lot of school shootings, like, goddamn, a lot of school shootings. I remember... Charlene was telling me about a school shooting. It was a long time ago. And she was like, did you hear about the blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about it. Um, they killed the guy before it happened. Or they killed him uh, early before he could kill more people. It was blah, blah. And she's like, no. No, the one in Memphis. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's another one? <laughs> Just like a, a week ago? It was something like that. Uh, maybe it was this, the place. Like, did you hear about the school shooting? Yeah, the one in made-up country, uh, made-up city, Memphis. Uh, no, the one at uh, Rockefeller. I was like, what? Just one after the other? Like, how bad it is that you even get confused with a school shooting. Like, uh, uh, something like that is so big that stays in the news for a long time. Or it used to be. Where everybody was on the same page and now it's like, oh, you mean the one two days ago? No, I mean the one today, this morning. <laughs> like, what? That is not normal. That is not. And something should be done, but what is the solution? Who knows? Then, then there's the loss of teachers owning guns and then the laws where like teachers have a panic room or, or like a bulletproof blanket. God damn, that's crazy. <clears throat> bulletproof blanket I mean you know how hard bullets hit I don't know <laughs> I wish to never know but whenever you shoot at a metal plate that is against bullets uh, and the bullet doesn't go through 
it still hurts. It is still like somebody punching you. But, you know, your belly is so, so still cut with your six pack that it stops the punch. And <laughs> now imagine stopping uh, a bullet with your six pack pun- uh, belly. It's still gonna hurt. It's not gonna go through, but it's gonna hurt a lot. And sometimes it even breaks ribs. So I imagine a bunch of kids covered in a bulletproof blanket. And there's some kid with a machine gun just shooting at them like he's having the best day of his life. And I bet you those kids are feeling every punch and every rib and bone is getting broken. Maybe they're not getting killed, but everything is getting broken. Oh, that's a horrible picture. (laughs) It is what it is. Life is, I mean, why do I laugh? Life is comical. It is so strange. So strange. Because the solutions, the easy solution is ban all guns. And then the complicated thing is you ban all guns and only the bad people will get them. And uh, good people won't be able to defend themselves. Uh, And so, and then people are like, well, the solution is also to uh, make schools bulletproof. And everybody's like, what the hell? (laughs) Kids have to go to school with bulletproof. The solution is giving them body armor. Like, God damn, going to give children body armor. They're children. (laughs) they're supposed to study right not be at war while they're studying (laughs) that's what i mean comical it's a bit it's so out there so such a weird idea that i bet you could read in a fictional book and you would say that's never gonna happen in real life or you would get this book and read it and probably give it two stars because it's such a bad story. Like, how come? <laughs> how they came up with this solution? Uh, what an interesting talk it was, wasn't it? Really interesting. I like it. I went pretty uh, to another way. How am I going to call it? I don't know. It was like gun control and peaceful protests and violent protests. And it was also the war in Russia and invading countries. How safe certain countries are. Uh I'll leave you with this. The country of Mexico, I think it's quite illegal to own guns. You can, but the process is very long, meticulous, and nobody goes through it because it's so expensive. And for those who live there or know about it, know that the bad guys are their own military and they are sometimes even more well-equipped than the military. Go figure. For a country that has strict gun laws, the criminal citizens are well-equipped, better than their own military. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> food for thought.